take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Malachi, chapter 1. I want to talk to you about the core of worship, or the essence of worship. As you know, we've been doing a series on worship. Last week, we talked about worship as warfare, and that's why Satan hates to hear and to see you begin to worship the Lord. That's why he does everything he can to distract you from worshiping the Lord. Because whenever you begin to worship the Lord, it's actually a declaration. It's an act of war against the powers of darkness. Now you do realize, you do realize, right, that expressions of worship have changed over time. During the time of Solomon's temple and the second temple period, The worship of Yahweh was focused around Jerusalem, the temple, and the sacrificial system. How were God's people going to worship him, though, when they're carried off to another land like Babylon? I don't have the temple to go to anymore. I don't have the sacrificial system and the priest to look to. How do I worship the one true God? How are they going to worship when the temple has been destroyed? How are they going to worship after the Holy of Holies has been desecrated and the temple has been crushed and no longer in existence as they knew it? How are they to worship the Lord? Worship of the one true God is more than inner and outer courts. Worship of the one true God is more than sacrificing lambs. And worship of the one true God is more than singing songs, raising our hands, and swaying to the music. Those are expressions of worship. I've heard it said that those are means of grace. By means of grace, we're talking about things that help us to connect to God. Because you realize that we need to connect to God. Some of those things would be things like praying, singing, silence, confession. When we celebrate communion as an act of worship. Clapping our hands or simply standing and reading the scripture aloud. Exercising our spiritual gifts. Speaking. Drama. Playing a musical instrument. Kneeling is an expression of worship. Standing, giving, responsive readings, testimonies. All of these are what we refer to as means of grace. They are ways in which we connect with God. And so what I want to encourage you to do is that whenever we gather here on a Sunday, let your clapping Be applause to God. Don't just clap your hands. Let your clapping be applause to the Lord. We're not just raising our hands. We're lifting up holy hands in surrender to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There's a big difference. There's a big difference when you lift up your hand like this. And whenever you lift your hands in surrender and in worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Acknowledging His greatness. When we stand to worship, you could stand and you can say, boy, my feet hurt. And if your feet hurt, you can sit down. But here's the thing. When we stand in worship, we're standing in reverence of the Lord. 
We're standing in recognition of who he is. We stand in his presence in reverence and worship of him. When we kneel, there's times where some of you sense the urgency or this desire that you should kneel down. You're not just kneeling as a ritual. We are kneeling to give him glory as we are bowing before his throne. And so as we kneel at an altar here, it's as if we're bowing before his throne and giving him the respect and the honor that he deserves. Oftentimes when I would hear Tim and Greg playing together, and you hear Greg play those leads on his guitar, it's as if his fingers and those strings have been given a voice to express praise. In the spirit I sense the worship that's going up to the Lord, and it's a worship that words cannot adequately express. I think whenever Greg plays those leads on the guitar, it's not just playing a guitar. It's an expression of worship to God that he doesn't have the words or the vocabulary to say to the Lord. But it's his expression of worship and praise going up to the Lord. And it's beautiful to the Lord. It's not just that it sounds nice, but it's from the heart. It's an expression of worship to God. Worship has at its center, at its core... Honor and respect. And if you're taking down notes, I want you to write that down. Worship has at its core honor and respect. The essence of worship is not kneeling or singing or raising our hands. Those are outward expressions of it. But the core of worship, the essence of worship is honor and respect. And I would say that the essence of worship, even beyond love... The the essence of worship, even beyond feelings of emotion or feelings of love, are honor and respect to the Lord. Yeah, worship can involve singing. It can involve shouting. It can involve dancing. And even worship can even involve utter silence. Yet without honor and respect, a sense of awe and reverence, We don't have true worship. We may have a lot of activity, but we don't have the essence of true worship. And this is what God addressed to his prophet Malachi. In Malachi chapter 1, starting at verse 6, listen to what it says. It says, a son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am the father... Where is the honor due me? If I'm a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord. Malachi sets forth a proposition. He says God is deserving of honor. A son honors his father and a servant honors his master. God was the father of Israel by creation. God was the father of Israel by election. They were elected by their preservation. God was the one who preserved them. And God faithfully kept a watchful eye upon Israel. The Israelites were called in Deuteronomy chapter 14, the children of God. Yet God did not receive the honor that was due a father. Nor did he receive the dread or the fear. The word is morah which a servant should feel for his master or for his king. 
So in Malachi's day, God was neither reverenced nor feared. He was ignored. And I just want to tell you today, that is the state. That's the state of the time in which we live now. A time in which God is not reverenced or feared. He's ignored. Don't get me on these judges who in one day, we don't hear anything about it. In one day in Pennsylvania, homosexual marriages are legalized in Pennsylvania. I was like, wow, one judge, one judge will one day stand before a judge. He will stand before a judge. And no matter what the laws are, as a church, we don't think that you should be hateful and mean towards people, that you should kill them and abuse them. The Bible says that it's an abomination. But in Israel's time, during the time of Malachi, God wasn't reverenced or feared. He was ignored. And unfortunately, in our society today, there comes a time as when people, is, it's as if God is, he's irrelevant. Friend, I want you to know that God's relevant. There may be many people in their minds and in their attitudes and in their hearts. They may turn up their nose at God. But I want you to know that he is relevant today. And he deserves our reverence and our fear. Now, the disrespect for God was especially prevalent among the priest. It's one thing when people are ignorant. But these people knew better. They knew better. The scripture teaches us that there'll be some who will be beaten with many stripes. And there'll be some who don't know and they'll be beaten with few stripes according to what we know and what we've been entrusted with. And so these folks knew better. Through Malachi, Yahweh addressed these words to the priest who he said despised his name or who showed contempt for his name. The Hebrew word that's used there denotes a continuous manifestation of disrespect. They continually disrespected God. There was continual manifestations. It was evident to people. It showed a state of mind, a characteristic trait. It was a character trait of them to be disrespectful. That was the attitude of their heart. That's what came out of them, this attitude of disrespect. Have you ever been around people who have an attitude of disrespect. It doesn't matter which class they're in at school. They're always having a problem with the teacher. It doesn't matter what class they're in. Oh, well, we need to get Jimmy in another class because him and the teacher clash. No, your son's rebellious and he needs his rear end beat. And if you'd beat his rear end, he may not go to jail, okay? If you'll beat his rear end, he may not go to jail, all right? He needs to be taught the fear of the Lord, But if we constantly coddle people and always it's never their fault and it's never their responsibility, we're going to raise a bunch of rebels. But this wasn't children. This was the priest. These were people who were supposed to represent God. And they had this nonchalant attitude, this disrespect. They had this character flaw. Actually, it wasn't just their actions. It was their character. The leaders of the religious community continually mocked God and sneered at his name and at his will. And let me just say this too. The religious community here in our community where they're going to be making gay marriages, they're giving free gay marriages, they're mocking God is what they're doing. 
Lancaster newspaper may promote it and think it's a great idea, but to God it's an offense and it's an abomination. This is what the scripture says. Let's go back to our scripture. It's you, priest, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? The priests arrogantly deny that they have despised God's name. They totally reject the prophet's correction and his accusations. What are you talking about? I don't know what you're saying. We haven't done that. And then God says, by saying that the Lord's table is contemptible, when you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? Now plead with God to be gracious with us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? This disrespect, what he says to him is, try giving that to your governor. Try giving that to the people who are in authority. Will they accept your excuses? Will they accept your offering and yet you expect me to? And let me just, just, just quickly. Some of the excuses that we make before God, do I need to go there? Some of the excuses of all the other things that are more important than God, all the other things that are more important than his house, all the other things that are more important than his service. I'm just going to tell you, I don't think, and you can write it down, I don't think if everything else is more important to you, than the kingdom of God, his work, his kingdom upon the earth, the visible things that we can see. I don't think, you quote me on this, I don't think you got enough faith to pass on to your children, and I don't think it's going to keep them. I believe that with all my heart. If your faith is watered down and weak, when you pass it on, I don't know that it's going to be a strong enough faith that's going to keep the next generation. We need a godly people who say, God is first in my life. He's the number one thing for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. That's what we need today in America. That's what we need in New Holland. That's what we need in my house. If I want my faith, if I want my children to follow God, then he needs to be. My faith can't be diluted. It can't be watered down. He says dishonor and disrespect brings God to the point that he doesn't want anything to do with their worship. I thought God would always want the temple doors to be kept open. In fact, God determines to reject them and what they offer. It comes to the point where he wants them to close the doors and to quit going through the motions. He wants them to quit fooling themselves. I thought, well, surely, God, if you're bringing them something, that's better than nothing. God, they're bringing you some sacrifice. But God, listen, this is what got through the prophet Malachi. God speaks to him. And I want you to hear what he says to him. Listen to the thing. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors. Did you hear that? Oh, that somebody had the courage. Oh, that somebody had the authority, the willingness, the boldness just to go up and shut the temple doors, to let the fire go out, 
so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. Because I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty. And I'll accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations, from where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offering will be brought to me, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. I want you to hear what God says. God says to him, we always think, like, God, you would never want him to shut the temple doors. You'd never want the fire to go out at the altar in the Holy of Holies. You never ever want the oil to go out. You want him to attend to that. But God literally says, I wish you somebody would just shut it down. Translated today, what God says about churches. This is, I even hate preaching this. This is scary. But God says, I wish you'd just shut the doors, shut them down, sell it, let it be a bingo parlor. Sell it, close it down. Just shut it down. Quit mocking me and quit fooling yourself is what he says. Why? Because their disrespect and dishonor of God was so offensive to him. And they still thought they were okay. What are you talking about, God? God says to them, but you profane it by saying the Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemptible. And you say, listen to this. What a burden. What a burden. I don't know about you. This convicted me. The last time you talked about your service to God, were you saying, what a privilege, what an honor it is. Lord, it's so good to be able to serve you. It's so good to be able to work for you. God, it's so good to be able to represent you. God, I thank you that I have the chance to get up and read your word. Thank you that I have the freedom to do that. Thank you that I can come and serve in your house. Or do you get up and say, oh, it's church again. Ah, oh, it's summertime. Oh, I wish we didn't have to go. It's Wednesday night. I wish I didn't. I wish I didn't have to go to Sunday school. Ah, oh. well, you don't really have to. You don't have to. That's what the people were saying. They're saying, God, what you ask of me is such a burden. They were contemptible. And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. And then he says, when you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord, and my name is to be feared among the nations. So when you save your best to go out with your friends, when you save your best and you got your most energy for going to the amusement park, there's nothing wrong with you going to the amusement park. But when you're dragging to come for the Lord in prayer, and when you start to go to the amusement park, you're full of energy. We're not offering sacrifices today. You're not bringing a lamb or a goat, but you're bringing your service to God. You're bringing your attitude before the Lord. You're bringing your life before him. You're bringing your praise and your worship before him. By their actions, they showed they had little honor or respect for the Lord. So it was impossible for them to truly worship him. And God was going to raise up another people from the Gentiles who would revere his name. What a shocker this is going to be to Israel. Because they are God's chosen people. They are his elect. They've been set apart. They've been called by his name. They are known as the children of God. If we paraphrase it today, what God says is, I'm going to have a people who will worship me. 
And if you religious folks don't want to worship me in spirit and truth, that's okay. You can go ahead and shut down the doors. But I will call a people from the crack house. I will call a people from the prison. I will call a people from the houses of prostitution. I'll call a people who you think are rejected and who you think aren't good enough for me. And I will find a people who will worship me in spirit and in truth. I will find a people. If you want to be a part of it, he called you. He's invited you. But if you choose to reject him and dishonor him, he will still have people who worship him. That's what he said to the Jews and to the people of Israel. And that's what he says to the church today. It's the same message today. Now, here's what God put upon my heart for you today. We live in a season when there is very little honor and respect shown for anything. There's little respect shown for authority. There's little respect shown in the home between children and their parents, wives and their husbands. There's a lack of respect for authority in the community, the workplace, the church. The mentality is that we are all the same. We are all equal. That's the mentality that slipped into our minds. We're all the same. We're all equal. There's none who are set apart. We're all the same. We're all equal. Well, my son and I are not equals. God has placed me in a position of authority over him. I am wiser than him. I am more experienced than him. And yes, this is true. One day, he and Logan will surpass their mom and I in wisdom and in knowledge and in success. They will do much greater things than we have ever done. I have no doubt in my heart about that. But that will be because they have placed themselves under our authority and allowed us to train and lead them in the proper way. Now, when they come under our authority, when they allow us to lead them, when they submit themselves to what we have done, they'll be able to step on our backs and us be able to boost them further. I was watching TV, one of those talk shows. It was a very touching thing. Ayala saved my life. I don't think Ayala can save people's lives, but Ayala was talking to this guy who used to be a professional football player and his wife, and I would encourage you to look it up. It was very good what she said to him. There was problems in the family. The wife and the husband were split up, and they said to this dad, and there was all these marriage problems. We don't have time for all that, but they said to the dad, the lady said to him, I don't agree with everything this lady says. She's kind of wacky on some things, but there are some things that she said that's good. So she said to him, it's on the Oprah Winfrey Network, by the way, in case you looked at it. And the lady said to him, because his relationship with his son was strained, and the lady said to him, your son's on a 10-yard line, and he needs to get across the goal. What are you going to do? What are you going to tell him? He said, I'm going to tell him to get behind me. Get behind me, stay close behind me. I'll open up a hole for him. That's what I do. I'm good at open up holes. And if he stays behind me, I'll open up a hole for him and I'll get him across the line. And I sit there and watch that. I don't know why. Maybe I was just watching Oprah and feeling crying. But I started like to cry about that. And I was thinking about, wow, listen, that is what authority does. Authority opens up the hole. It says, you get behind me. I'll do the work. I'll move them out of your way, son, but you get behind me. If you got to get on my back, you get on my back. I'll open up a way for you, but I'll get you through. 
And that's what Jesus does when we come under his authority. That's what happens when authority is working the way that it should. And respect is shown the way that it should. If I got to carry you across, I'm going to get you over the goal line. But you get behind me, I'll clear the way for you. Now, whenever there's a lack of authority, I'm going to tell you straight up. If we can't learn to reverence and respect those in authority over us. I don't think that we can truly honor and respect the Lord in the way that we're supposed to. If you can't honor people who you do see, if you can't show respect to people who you do see, how can you respect or show honor to a God who you can't see? If we can't honor and respect him, our worship is defiled, no matter how long or pretty you sound. And some people are going to get mad at me. Here's my note. Some of you are going to get mad at me about now and start making excuses about why I'm wrong. And you're the one the Holy Spirit has this message for. How can you claim to love God? The Bible says in 1 John, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Everyone who loves God must also love his brother and sister. So if I can't really love God, who I can't see, if I'm not showing love and loving people who I can see, then does the same principle apply to honor? I'm just going to tell you, some of you will break through spiritually if you will start to show honor and respect to the authority that God places in your life. If you will start to reverence and respect the authority that God places in your life, if you will start to value the people who God has placed in your life, you will find that your worship will experience a new level of intimacy with God. You will have breakthroughs in your worship that you've not had before because there's there's something that's holding people back. And it's this lack of reverence and this lack of awe and this lack of wonder of who God is. 1 Peter 2, 5. You also, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What are those sacrifices? It's our bodies. Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, and you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What are those sacrifices? Our offerings. Philippians 4, 14. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of our acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, no one... Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving, receiving, except you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphrodites the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing God. Our praise and our good works. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 and 16. Through Jesus Christ, let us therefore offer to God a sacrifice of praise. 
the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and share with others good works. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. And what's the other sacrifice that we offer to God? Souls. We have won to Christ. Romans fifteen sixteen To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. What's your takeaway from here today? Your takeaway from here is that if you choose not to bring to God the reverence and awe and fear that he deserves, he can pass you by. And if he has to go to the crack houses, the brothels, if he has to go to the prison, to the bars, wherever it is, he's going to call for himself a people who honor and revere his name. The second thing, as his people, when we reverence and respect him, one of the tangible ways that we can show reverence and fear for the Lord is to show reverence and fear and honor to the authority that he established in your life. I want you to notice this about David. One of the greatest worshipers, that when you think of the Bible and you think of worship, typically David would be one of those ones that we would say, worship Bible David, right? I want you to notice the way that David gave honor to God. He tells God, I'm not going to give you something that doesn't cost me anything. But I want you to also notice where that started at. As a young man... Whenever David was under Saul's authority, David respected Saul. Saul's throwing spears at him. And David holds Saul in honor. Saul's trying to kill him. And David's out there serving him. And David, the one time whenever Saul came into the cave and David had the chance to kill him, and I'm sure his other guys were there, it was like, David, we can take him out. Your troubles are over. David made a mistake. And he cut off the edge of his robe. Now, he could have made a mistake and stabbed him through the heart, cut his head off, because David was used to doing that. However, he refused to touch God's anointed. And after he had cut that little thing off, David was overwhelmed with conviction for what he had done. He said, I I shouldn't even have touched his robe. He shouldn't even have touched his robe. But when you and I have respect for authority, that's our children with our parents, That's you with your boss. You may say, my boss is an ungodly guy. It's not about him. It's about your character. You're a person of character. Your boss might be an ungodly guy. You may be married to a husband who's an ungodly man. But you know what the scripture says? That the wife will win him over by your gentle spirit, by that reverence and honor that you show. So as God's people, I want to encourage us to make this commitment that I'm going to be a man or woman of honor. I'm going to be someone who gives honor. I'm going to treat people with respect. I'm going to revere them. I'm going to treat those in my church, on my job, in my community. I'm not going to open my mouth against my boss. Other people can do it. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to open my mouth against those in authority of me. I'm going to bless. I'm going to honor. And you see what God does in your life. Father, I just pray that you would raise up worshipers from Lighthouse who revere your name who honor and respect you and give you the glory, the glory is all yours, Lord, that we recognize the glory that is yours. 
And Father, I pray that as we do that, I pray that our lives would be transformed and I pray that you would receive the sacrifices that we offer unto you. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.